The Bible says, Luke 15, 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And I'm not going to touch that again because I tried to really deal with the context last week more so than we will this week. But uh, they thought they were hurling an insult at him. And uh, I read that and I say, Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad he receives sinners. Thank God. Well, verse 3, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is, here it is, say the word, lost, until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was... I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance." Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, over one sinner that repenteth. And then, of course, we go into the parable of the prodigal son. But I want to emphasize our word this morning. And so look at the very last verse of the chapter, verse 32. The father is giving the rationale, the reasoning for why this party is justified and warranted and even necessary for this prodigal that has come home. He said, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad. Here it is. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I want to examine that word lost this morning. And I want to preach on this thought. Grace in a lost place. Grace in a lost place. How many of you remember when you were lost? And grace found you. And I'm thankful for that this morning. Let's pray and let's ask God to help us as we examine His Word. Father, we love You. We're thankful for the privilege we have to be in the house of God this morning. Lord, the atmosphere of worship, the Spirit in here, Lord, it's it's helped me. And Lord, made me think about You and all that You've done for me. I pray, Father, that You'd please bless the... The, the reading of your word, the preaching of your word. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit and use me. And Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's anybody in this building today under the sound of my voice, Lord, under the word of God today that is lost and in this condition, Lord, I pray that you'd show them their condition. I pray that you'd show them your, uh, your, uh, your solution, your sacrifice, your son, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. And Lord, they would look to Calvary and live and be saved and be found. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name today. Amen and amen. I would say that probably one of the most horrific words in all the Bible has to be this word lost. 
because of the implications that it has. To be lost is more uh, than just... uh, something being misplaced. Everybody knows what it's like to misplace something. I find that happening more and more the older I get. And uh, I know some of you are laughing at that, thinking I hadn't seen anything yet. And you're probably right. Amen. But it's getting bad already. And uh, just forgetting stuff and forgetting where I'm at. I'll be riding down the road and, and just my mind will start wandering. I'll go into a room and forget why I went in there and all kind of things already happening to me like that. I drove all the way to High Point Hospital to see Brother Johnny Bartlett yesterday. Only problem is he's in Baptist Hospital. And uh, I found that out when uh, Miss Yuget said they were on the ninth floor and I started counting the buttons on the elevator and looking outside. There ain't nine floors at the High Point Hospital. And, uh, and so I realized, I thought Miss Yuget was the one that was crazy. And uh, I hope she's watching this morning. And uh, I thought she, well, that old lady, she don't know what's up. She don't know where she's at. No, this old man didn't know where he was at. Michigan had it just right. And I find myself lost and misplacing things. But that word lost is a lot more severe than that. It's a lot more than just being bewildered and kind of confused and dazed just a little bit or being turned around and not knowing where you're at or your surroundings. In the biblical sense, that word lost, when it is used in the spiritual sense, uh, it is for something to be considered useless, unprofitable, of no value. It even goes beyond that and it is something that is considered ruined, something that is destroyed, something that is perished or about to perish. It is lost. It is uh, beyond beyond repair, beyond uh, hope, beyond help, absolutely lost. The sheep that was lost in the first parable, it was considered dead, right? By the shepherd. It was probably not going to survive on its own because sheep don't do that. They have no sense of direction. They don't know which way to go. They have no sense of danger. They can't sense when an enemy is approaching them or coming near to them. And so that leaves them very vulnerable to attack because they need a shepherd to to protect them and and know when an enemy is near. This sheep was lost. It was just as good as dead because it cannot survive on its own. The coin was lost. Uh, It was lost in the sense that uh, it was... uh, Uh, unprofitable. It was of no value. Nobody takes money that can't be found. You can't go buy your groceries uh, with uh, with lost money at the grocery store. You can't tell them, well, I had $100 in this wallet, but I don't know where it's at. They'll tell you, go find it because lost money is of no value. Uh, When you can't find it, you can't spend it. Amen. And sometimes we still spend stuff we can't find, but that's another story for another day. The son was lost. The son was lost. In the sense that the father considered him dead. In fact, you get a definition of the word lost in verse 32. The Bible defines itself so well. If you look at parallel uh, parallel phrases as things are stacked together, it'll give you a definition. They'll shine light on each other. And that's exactly what the father says in verse 32. He said, "My uh, thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found and is found. And so that word lost is synonymous with the word dead, right? He was dead and now he's alive. He was lost 
and now he's found. It's almost the same thing. And in a biblical sense and in a spiritual sense, our spiritual condition, that word lost, it's the condition of a person that is without God. That person is useless. He is of no value, spiritually speaking. He is ruined. He's destroyed. He's perished. In fact, that's how we're born. We're born dead, right? We're headed toward destruction. We're born dead. We're born lost. We come into this world with our default setting put on dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins when we come into this world and we are destined for eternal destruction. That's what it means to be lost, to be away from everything that is life, away from everything that is holy, away from everything that is good. We're separated from all of that. And so that is what lost is. How many of you remember when you were lost? That's an awful place to be. That is a horrific place to be. Some of you may be sitting in this building this morning and you are lost. You are without hope. You are without, without God. You are, uh, you are uh, dead in trespasses and sins and you are destined for destruction and to perish in eternal judgment. The only hope that somebody that is lost, the only hope that they have is to be found. That's what they need. They need somebody to go find them. They need somebody to bring them back. They need somebody to add value to their life. They need somebody uh, uh, to restore them. That's what they need. They need to be found. And I would submit to you this, that if lost is one of the most horrific words in all the Bible, then I would have to say that the word found is one of the most wonderful words in all of the Bible. Amen. To be found. To be found. If you're lost, what you want is to be found. Amen. If I'm lost in the woods and I'm considering, you know, uh, 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 eating something nasty because I got to survive, the best thing I could be is found. Amen. And be found at a, at a pizza hut somewhere. Amen just as quick as possible. The best thing when you're lost and you think you're about to die and you think there's no hope and you think ain't nothing good going to happen, the best thing is for somebody to find you. And in a biblical sense, to be found is to be made profitable again. It's to have worth put in your life and value put in your life. It's to be rescued from sure destruction. It is to be found safe and sound once again. And I just want to go on record this morning and say, I am so glad that he found me. Amen. I was lost. I was without hope. I was without God. And he come and sought me out and he found me. Just like what Miss Julie was singing about when Jesus comes. Amen. The tempter's power is broken when he comes. Amen. And I couldn't get to where he was, but he come and found me. And I am so thankful for that. I'm so, as the old song says, I'm so glad he found me. In love, he bound me, put his arms all around me. Thank God. And I'm glad that's exactly what he did for you and for me. And that was us. That was you. That was me. If you're saved, if you've been found by his amazing grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I'd say, if you've been rescued, if you've been delivered, if you've been saved by God's amazing grace, then you were this lost sheep that was in the wilderness. You were separated. You were starving. You were shivering. You were in danger. You were about to be consumed by the enemy, but just in time, the shepherd showed up and he brought you back to the fold. You were that coin that was covered up 
up with dirt and with grime and with dust and you were useless and unprofitable and you were separated and of no value, but God found you. He sought you out and He found you and He brought again value to your life. We were this son. We were destitute. We were broke. We were in poverty. We were forsaken by the world and forsaken by those that said they would be our friend. We were ashamed of our decisions. We were embarrassed by all that we'd done to bring dishonor to the Father's name. But I'm so glad the boy started back, but it was his father that saw him and found him and went to him. And grace is any time God makes a move in your direction. Amen. That is the grace of God. And the shepherd went after the sheep and the woman went after the coin and the father saw the boy a long way off and he started to run. He took off running and he saw him and he fell on his neck and he kissed him and that is the grace of God. And what we find in this text is not just God moving in our direction in grace, but I want you to notice something here and you've probably seen it. I think this is probably something that most of you Bible students have seen before, but I want to point it out and highlight it again. It's not just God moving in our direction. It is the entire Godhead moving in our direction. There is a trifold deliverance that is found in this chapter. In fact, anytime you see anything in threes in your Bible, you need to look real close. You might just spot all of God. I mean, all of it. I'm talking about the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what we have here. There's no accident that there's three parables. There's no accident, it's no coincidence that Jesus gave three parables when He's speaking about lost things being found. Because in our salvation, the entire Godhead contributed and had a part. It was the Father that found us. It was the Son that found us. It was the Holy Ghost that found us. You say, how can it be all three? Well, they're all three one and they're one in three. Amen. Three and one and one or three. That's the best thing I can, that's the best way I can describe it. If you need any more help with that, you need to talk to Gary Hill. He'll explain it to you. Amen. Because I don't, I can't, that's the best I can do right there. Amen. I have to find somebody smarter than me because all I know is there's one God, but he manifests himself in three persons and every single one, uh, every single part, every single piece, every single person of the Godhead had a part in my salvation. And that is the revelation of grace. The entire Godhead uh, saving a lost man. What a measure of grace that is. In fact, I would tell you this. If you ever feel like nobody cares about you, you're wrong. Three times over. Amen. Because the Father cares about you. Amen. He wrought salvation. And the and He thought salvation. And the Holy Spirit cares about you. He wrought it. And the Son cares about you. He bought it. Amen. And we are eternally... Uh, loved and surrounded by the Godhead and His grace. So I want to point that out before we go because there's a threefold picture of grace when we were in our lost condition. And if you're in a lost condition this morning, you need to see that there is a trifold, a threefold, a, a trinity of grace in the Godhead that is is for you. And we see that. Will you let me work backwards? I'm going to start with the Father and work my way Back to the Son. Let's, let's look at this. First of all, we see the grace 
of the Godhead in our lost condition. First of all, number one, I'm going to call it this, the loving ministry of God the Father. The loving ministry of God the Father. Can I tell you as I read this story that I note this, that there was never a time that the Father did not love His prodigal son. There was never a time. Now, He did not love what He was doing. He did not love his choices. He did not love the condition that he was in. He did not love the things that he had done to himself. But he always loved the son. There was a love. I think we could argue that the son did not love the father like he should have. Because when he asked for that inheritance, what he was saying is, Dad, to me, you're nothing but dead. Because that's when you get an inheritance. When the father dies, then you get what falls to you. The son says to me, in my eyes and in my estimation, you're already dead. I do not acknowledge your authority in my life. I do not acknowledge the affection that you've had in my life. I do not acknowledge anything good that you've done in my life. You are dead to me. I don't want you for you. I don't want anything to do with you. I just want what I can get out of you. That was the prodigal son attitude toward his father. But can I tell you, that was never the father's attitude toward his son. When his son left that way and left in that condition, the father loved him before he left the house. The father loved him while he was in the far country and the father loved him when he got home. There was nothing that was born in the heart of the father when he saw the son coming down that dusty road. That love was already there. And can I tell you, in the same sense, God loved us while we were lost. I don't understand it. I don't really, because human love is you love me, I'll love you back. Human love is you do good for me and I'll do good for you. But that's not God's love toward us. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, before you were ever born, listen, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It was love that took the Father and drew Him to send His Son, cause Him and and move Him to send His Son to this earth. The Father was waiting on His boy. That boy didn't have to knock on the door. He saw him a long way off. That's what the a great way off is what the Bible says in verse 20. He was a great way off. That father was waiting. The father saw him. That father was watching. And when he come home, that father was welcoming. And that's exactly what the father has done for us and does for us. He loves us so much. He is waiting. Listen, if you're in here and you've never been saved, you've never been truly born again, I want you to know that the father is waiting on you. He is wanting you to come home. He will welcome you in with open arms. And a lot of times we get the idea that if we come back, we're going to get a lashing or we're going to get beat or something. No, you get a party when you come back. That's what you get. Amen. When you get saved. Why? Because it thrills the heart of the Father when those that He loves comes back to the house. That's the gracious love of the Father. We were yet sinners. We're all sinners. And God was loving us. In fact, John said that before we loved Him, He loved us. We loved Him because He first loved us. And everything about our salvation flows out of the fact that the Father loved us. That's what He does. And so there's a lot of things the Father does in this text, but I think we could sum it up and we could emphasize. And what is emphasized about this Father primarily is that He does love us. And the Father loves us. It's a gracious reminder to us today 
that it does not matter what you have done. It does not matter where you have been. It does not matter. The love of the Father reaches out to us, calls out to us, beckons us to come to come home. There's a song I used to sing with my family when I was a kid growing up. Me and my dad and my sister. It just said, love covers all sin. And I thank God for the love. One of them verses said, I don't even know if I can remember it all, but it says something about the prodigal son. Do you recall the wandering son who left his father's home? He'd spent all and found himself alone. And when he came back home again and told his father he had sinned, he found that love covers all sin. And that chorus just said, love covers all sin. Kneel at the cross where your new life begins. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you have been. For love covers all sin. And when we look at this Father, we cannot help but see the loving ministry of God the Father. That's what He does. Well, let's back up. Let's go to the second parable, which begins in verse number 8. We see this woman here. Who is this woman? This woman represents the Holy Spirit. She is a tremendous picture of the Spirit of God. In fact, I'm going to call it this. We see the grace of God not only in the loving ministry of God the Father, but we see the grace of God in the, in the Godhead and the grace of the Godhead in this, that we see the looking ministry. I'm going to call it the looking ministry of God the Holy Spirit. You see, this woman is a type of the Spirit of God. The emphasis in this parable seems to be on the searching. On the searching. And we know the shepherd searched and sought, but it seems like this is the definite emphasis in this second parable right here because it goes to describe how this woman sought and found. We don't get any such descriptions in the first parable about the shepherd. But we see that this woman, she goes to great lengths to find this coin. There's the shining. She lights a candle so that this coin's location might be revealed. She lights. And is that not what the Holy Spirit does? I don't know what happened when you got saved, but the Holy Ghost put some light on where I was and what was going on in my life. And that's why people, and that's why conviction is uncomfortable. That's why people don't want to get saved. Jesus said it right when he said, Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Jesus told his disciples why everybody hated him. They didn't hate him because he could multiply food and open blinded eyes and, uh, and heal deaf ears and, and cause the dead to rise. That's not why they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus because his very presence revealed and exposed their sinful condition. That's why they hated Jesus. And they don't like it when somebody wants to do wrong and somebody wants to live in sin and they want to hide in the dirt and in the grime and in the dust and in the trash. If that's where they want to hide, the last thing in the world they want is somebody flipping the light switch on, exposing what they are. But can I tell you, that is what you need. That is what you have to have. I thank God for the day when the Holy Spirit lit the candle. He shone the light. He turned the light on. And you know what I got to see? Man, I'm a sinner. I'm wicked. I'm rotten, I'm awful, I need a Savior. And I was hiding in dirt and grime and dust and filth and trash and the Savior let me see what I was, that I was lost. I realized I'm lost, I'm lost. That's, the great, that's one of the greatest days of your life. I'm glad I got lost. 
so I could be saved, so I could be found. I'm glad He showed me what I was. He turned the light on, and that's what the Word of God does, and that's what the Holy Spirit does, and that's what the Spirit uses the preaching to do of, of the Word of God, to show you you're lost. What a blessed, glorious day when I realized I was lost. Thank God for that day. There was a shining. Not only do we see that, but as she's searching here, there's a sweeping. You see that? She got the broom out, swept the house. Some of you young people don't know what that is. It's a stick that's got these bristles on the bottom of it, and you clean things with it. That's a broom. It wipes away the dirt. But I, I tell you what, uh, what this broom was doing. She gets, the, she gets the broom, and she starts stirring things up. Starts moving things around. This coin that was comfortably hidden under dirt and grime and, and dust and all that kind of stuff, it can't be comfortable anymore. Its whole life is being stirred up and being swept around. And you know what we call that? We call that old-time Holy Ghost conviction. It's when God starts doing that Holy Ghost starts messing around with all the dirt in your life and saying, oh, that ain't good, and that ain't good, and this ain't good. And He starts just stirring everything. Y'all remember what it's like to be stirred up on the inside? How many of you remember when you were just uncomfortable? Might be like some of y'all sitting in here right now. Some of y'all might be under conviction right now. I don't know. But the Holy Ghost will start stirring things up and there's a moving and a, and a troubling and, and you think, man, just something's not right. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The Holy Ghost has that broom and He's starting to move things around and making you uncomfortable. See, lost people, they like to be comfortable in their sin. Don't tell me it's wrong. Turn, keep the lights off and keep the broom in the closet. Don't be moving things around. I like my dirt. I like my grime. I like my trash. I like my dark corner. I like my secrecy. I like my sin. I like all these things. But the Holy Ghost will get that broom and He'll start moving things around. Oh yeah, watch out. When that Holy Ghost gets that heavenly broom and starts moving things around, you watch out. Something's about to happen. Something lost is about to be found. Amen. That's exactly what was going on. There's a shining and a, and a sweeping. and Everything that was covering you up and you felt comfortable in, it just starts getting moved out of the way. <laughs> and there's a searching. The Bible says it was diligent, right? She seeked diligently is the adverb that she used there, diligently. That just simply means she did it carefully. Uh, not like that would be the opposite of how husbands look for things. If you're trying to get a definition on that, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times my wife said, "Go down into the kitchen and open the drawer and get something out." You know, whatever it is, and I'll open the drawer and I don't see it because what I'm looking for when I open the drawer, I'm looking for something to just jump out and say, "Here I am." And I'll tell you, I said, I said, woman, it ain't in that drawer. She said, yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. I looked all around there, it ain't in there. And how many of y'all, she'll go down there, she'll open the drawer, and in 1.7 seconds, she pulls it out and makes a face at me. This woman, maybe that's why the, that's why the Holy Spirit put a woman in here. Because <laughs> he wanted to make sure his coin got found. A man with a broom? That don't even make sense anyway, does it? 
That put us all in suspect. Maybe man did write the Bible. Amen. No, this is divine. This is from God. It's a woman with a broom. Looking really good. Searching really good. Discovering everything really good. Diligently, carefully. Not, not, not fast. Not, not just glancing over. It's not just, nah, I don't see it anywhere. No, she's turning stuff over. I mean, she's emptying out. I mean, she's got the couch turned over. I mean, she's got everything, every drawer. She's looking in the fridge. She's looking everywhere. I mean, for something. I mean, just everything. That's what diligently means. It means don't stop until you find it. She didn't just do a rush job and then give up easily. I thought about, man, when I was lost, I don't even think I realized it at that point. But man, as I look back and see what God did in my life, I can't help but rejoice and thank God for the care that the Holy Spirit took to find me. What grace. What grace. What, that, that not just He would just, just, just come in my vicinity, but He would come into my life and start stirring things up and turning things over. Just the fact we think about the God of heaven sent His sweet Holy Spirit to look for you. Amen. And He's not doing a rush job. Doing it diligently, carefully. You say, what is that? That's grace. That's grace in a lost place. Amen. Thank God for it. Well, there's the, the loving ministry of God the Father. There's the looking ministry of God the Holy Spirit. And as we're working backwards, we look at this first parable. And I'm going to call it this, the lifting ministry of God the Son. That's Jesus. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, our shepherd. This shepherd, man, what a wonderful picture he is of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that, and we can, we can just preach right here just about Jesus here. Man, it says, uh, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? Can I say first of all that he left for me? You understand what Jesus left to find you? Do you understand what all He left? When He left glory, when He left heaven, do you understand the condescension? Do you understand the distance that He came to find us? Amen. He left it all. Amen. Thank God. I'm glad He left for me. I'm glad that He longed for me. He kept on searching till He found me. And then I'm glad that He lifted me. Look at verse number 5. It says, And when he hath found it... Oh, I like this. Mm. Y'all look at verse 5. I'm trying to. It says, And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad that he picked me up. And that's exactly what Jesus did because he picked up somebody that could not pick up themselves. He lifted somebody that, that could not lift themselves. I'm glad when nothing else could help. I'm glad love. I'm glad it lifted me. I'm glad. And this, man, this is the shepherd doing for the sheep what that sheep could not do for himself. If he could have got back to the fold on his own, he would have done it. But he couldn't. He was lost. He can't get back. He don't know how to get back. He don't even know how he got to where he was in the first place. But the shepherd knows right where he's at and right where to find him and right what to do when he gets to him and he picks us up. And that's what Jesus did. He picked us up out of the mud and out of the mire. And I don't know what, 
I don't know anything we say about this sheep. It's just speculation, I know. But just the fact that he picked this sheep up and put it on his shoulders let me know that this sheep was probably dirty and it was probably tired and it might have even been wounded. Maybe a leg was broke and it couldn't even walk and follow the shepherd. And so the shepherd picked it up, picked him up and put it on his shoulders. Brought him back to the fold. And I'm glad that's exactly what Jesus did for us. By the way, when that sheep got back to the fold, he couldn't brag about anything he did. Because he didn't do anything. He was just out there in the middle of the, in the, middle of the wilderness with a broke leg and a dirty life and, and lost and confused and in danger and that close to death. But then the shepherd came and picked him up and took him back to the fold. And can I tell you, that's the only thing we got to brag about this morning. That's the only thing we got to boast in. I didn't do anything. I didn't save myself. He picked me up and put me back where I belong. Amen. And so we don't brag on the sheep. We brag on the shepherd. We don't praise the sheep. We praise the shepherd. He picked us up. Put us back where we belong. The lifting ministry. He knows how to pick people up out of a mess. And make them look like nothing ever. He puts you back in a group. And they just look. You can't tell one from the other. They're just all his sheep. Amen. That was the lost one. That was the really lost one. No, they just all with him now. I thank God for that. He was all the shepherd. You know, some people are worried about, you know, if I get saved, I, I just I can't, I can't live the Christian life. I can't walk it. You ain't got to walk it. He'll pick you up and put you on his shoulders. The only person I see taking any steps in this parable is the shepherd. He's the one that's walking every single mile of the journey. He's the one taking every single step of the way. And that's exactly what he does for us. You don't have to live it. You just have to be lifted. Amen. He'll walk it for you. I like that. What stability this sheep has now. He's on the shoulders of the shepherd. I thought about just preaching on that a little bit. The shoulders of the shepherd. Isn't that a good place to be? What a bl- I think I've spent some time on the shoulders of the shepherd. It's an amazing thought to think about. Isaiah 9 says that, that the Lord Jesus Christ, that Messiah, He's going to have the government on His shoulder. It's just on one. When he, when, he, when he picks up the government, He only puts it on one shoulder. But when He picks up His sheep, He puts them on both shoulders. You know why? Because He cares more about people than He does about power. He cares more about his sheep than he does about anything else. He's not using us as a means to an end. We're not just somebody that gives him collective power and authority. No, he actually loves us and he's more interested in us than he is anything else. I'm thankful for that. I I can't imagine. I wonder what this trip back to the fold was like for that sheep. The Bible says, look at verse 5. Look at it again. When he had found it, He layeth it on his shoulders, reprimanding. Wait, hold on, that's not what it says. He layeth it on his shoulders, rebuking. That's not what it says. He layeth it on his shoulders, lecturing and criticizing and threatening and yelling and screaming. That's not what it says. It said he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He's glad. (laughs) I think we sing about I'm so glad he found me, but we ought to sing he's so glad he found me. 
because he is glad. And that's the point of this parable. These Pharisees didn't realize, how in the world can you receive sinners? And Jesus responded to them, how could I not receive them and rejoice over sinners getting saved? It wasn't until the shepherd got back, he called his friends together in verse 6. And they rejoiced. The Bible says, he's asked them to rejoice with me. You know what that means? That shepherd was already having a party before he got home and threw a party. He's already rejoicing before he got anybody else to rejoice with him. And that's the heart of our shepherd. He wants to pick you up. He wants to put you on his shoulders. And he wants to take you back to the fold. I think Miss Julie ought to sing a little bit more of that. You mind singing a little bit more of that song? When Jesus comes, <laughs> everything changes. Everything's different. When Jesus comes, we could sing a little bit of Jesus passed by my way. Oh, man. I could not come to where he was, but he came to me. The entire Godhead was at work when you got saved. Father, it was His love that put it all together. The Holy Spirit, His searching, His His work that made it happen. There's the Son that picked you up, carried you back to the fold. It was His work, His sacrifice. And thank God that we found grace in our lost place. If nothing else, I think we should go back in our in our memory. And just remember where we were, that word lost. You remember what it was like to be lost? You remember where you were? Listen, you ain't always been sitting on a church pew now. You ain't always had a King James Bible in your lap. You ain't always been like this. You were lost. You were, you were in danger. You were on your way to hell. And you found grace. God had grace on you. And now we ain't lost no more. Now we're found, and some of us have done got over being found. God, help us never get over being found. I once was lost, but now I'm found.